Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. So what does each character come into the scene wanting? Midway through the scene, the other character or characters will reveal or do something that disrupts your main character's new status quo. It throws him out of equilibrium. It complicates the main story problem. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. How do you write scenes that pull your reader through all the way to the end that keep them turning the page? A scene creates an emotional connection to your reader. They become invested in your characters through scene. Each scene is a microcosm of the whole story. Your main character comes into the story with a desire. Something beyond her control happens to catapult her into action. There's a problem or evolving question she has no choice now but to solve. And then she struggles to solve it. So the first thing to get clear on when writing scenes is what your character wants to achieve by the end of the story. Maybe it's to reconcile something that happened in the past. Maybe something has haunted your character and he or she wants to be freed of that. For example, she wants to survive the grief over her twin sister's death. Maybe the desire is more concrete, to survive an avalanche while climbing Mount Everest. Maybe Dawn wants to marry Brett, but Brett's in love with Ashley. Joanna wants to escape the confines of being a stay-at-home mom and pursue a career, but feels trapped because her kid is still young. Each scene will be a mini version of the main character's quest. It will be the same desire hitting the same resistance in different variations. And that story problem will escalate until your character is forced to make a choice. In some scenes, your main character will come closer to getting what he or she wants, and in some scenes, further away. Let's say your main character wants to quit his corporate job and move his family to Costa Rica. 
But what's getting in his way is his need for financial security and status. He hates the job, but craves financial stability and status. Every scene will dramatize what he ultimately wants to achieve, and we'll see him in every scene in pursuit of that and meeting obstacles. Sometimes he'll get closer, other times he'll get further away. In a riveting story, the troubles will escalate, leading up to the point where your main character must make a choice. Let's say our corporate guy's wife gets pregnant. And so the decision, the choice he must make is to take the promotion at work and abandon his plans to move his family to Costa Rica. So every scene will be a manifestation of the global desire and the internal noise that's getting in his way. Every other character then will support your character's quest or thwart it in some way. Great scenes are framed. They have a structure and they're built around common elements. So in this episode, I'm going to give you five tips for framing your scenes. When a scene isn't framed, it rambles. There's a lot of extraneous information we don't need right now in this moment of the story. And there are often too many incidental characters that divert our focus. You never want to crowd your scenes with too many characters, just the characters who have a stake in this particular moment of the story. Often with scenes that aren't framed, instead of focusing on one conflict, it will swing from one conflict to another, one story problem to another. When the scene rambles with extraneous details and action and conflicts and characters, we don't know what and who we should be paying attention to. We're not being guided through the scene because it isn't framed. So let's get right to it. Here are my five tips to frame your scenes so you get the greatest payoff. Tip number one, set your characters in a particular place at a particular time. Maybe they're in the dining room at dinner time or the front yard after school. Maybe they're in a restaurant at noon. Just place us in one particular location. Once you move to a new location or a different time in the same location, you're in a new scene. So does it happen in an afternoon, during a meal, over drinks? Does the scene take place in his mistress's bedroom? Place the reader in a particular location and stay there until you move to a new location. Or if it's the same location and the action happens at a different time of day, use a timestamp later that afternoon. Often I'll see a scene where the characters roam indiscriminately from place to place or from room to room, and then we get the play-by-play as they move from one location to the next. Just bring us to the next location. Use time switches to keep your reader moving effortlessly through time and space. A time switch can happen within a scene. For example, a scene might start, 
I first saw Wolf in March of junior year. Okay, so the author will focus on that first meeting, and further down, when there's a shift in time, it'll read, Later that day, I passed him in the hall and saw that he shed his jacket and tie. Same day and place, the university, but at a different time of day. A space break denotes an entirely new scene, which is usually a change in both time and place. He invited me to his house one warm April day, when all the windows stood open, and you could see out the baseball field to the railroad tracks running behind it. So we've moved from the university to Wolf's house on a particular warm April day. So you want to keep your reader anchored, moving them through time and space. The next day, later that afternoon, three weeks before he died, four years ago, when I was 10, a day later, on Monday of his last week, timestamps keep us moving seamlessly through space and time. So tip number one, frame your scene within a particular place at a particular time. Tip number two, build your scene around one significant moment. It should be one story problem, one conversation, one confrontation, one moment of realization or insight. I like to think of scenes as moments that demand to be slowed down and probed in more detail. You want to build your scene around significant turning points or moments of realization, insight, reversals in who has the upper hand. Sometimes it's where a choice or decision will be made or your character will take a stand. Often scenes will swing from one conflict to another to another within a scene, or it will mention multiple story problems instead of focusing on one. So you want to focus on one significant moment, story problem, or event. A significant turning point could be the inciting incident that throws your character into new unfamiliar territory and compels him or her to take action. I was watching clips from Kramer versus Kramer the other day to deconstruct the way the scenes are framed. And so we get the setup scene where we see life as the main character, Ted Kramer, knows it. He's a workaholic advertising executive, and he's just come home late from work, his son is already asleep, and he's already on the phone with the office, and his wife Joanna is trying to tell him she's leaving him and their five-year-old son. Now he tries to placate her. He says he's sorry he was late, he was just trying to make a living, but his wife does leave him. So this is in the first five minutes of the movie. His wife leaves him and their five-year-old son, Billy, and this throws Ted's life into turmoil. Now, sometimes I'll see characters who solve things too smoothly. They figure things out. They're too competent. 
But we don't identify with characters who have it all under control when problems are too easy to solve. We want the struggle. We can relate to that. Now, I'm not suggesting your character shouldn't be smart or capable, just that at this point, he's ill-equipped to solve his story problem. He's not ready for it. So back to Kramer versus Kramer. His wife leaves him. His life is suddenly upside down. He's ill-equipped to take on all the responsibilities of caring for his five-year-old son. And we see that in scene after scene. We see that struggle. They're dramatized as particular moments. There's a dinner scene where his kid refuses to eat what he's cooked and insists on eating the quart of ice cream instead. Now, this five-year-old is formidable. There's a battle of wills. They have a showdown. Ted Kramer loses his patience and things end badly. There's another scene where he tries to cook French toast in the morning and completely botches it up. He's trying to get ready for work. His kid is getting ready for school. So he's trying to do his best. He's trying to cook French toast the way his wife would in the morning, and he completely botches it up. Now, over time, he gets a handle on everything, but it does take time. It's dramatized progressively through scene. Now, towards the end of the film, there's another scene where he cooks French toast, and he cooks it perfectly. Okay, on to tip three. Get in late, get out early. Often, this scene starts too early. We get a whole preamble before we get to anything interesting. For example, if the characters are going to Aunt Becky's for Thanksgiving dinner, we don't need to see everyone pile into the car, drive against the Long Island Expressway traffic, and then engage in mundane chit-chat before we get to the dinner table. If something significant happens in the car on the way to Aunt Becky's, that's a separate scene. But if the only reason it's there is to get us from point A to point B, skip it. Just bring us to Aunt Becky's house. So a good rule of thumb is to get into the scene late and get out early. It's always good to start in the middle of something that's already in progress. So you want to pick up where we left off with these particular characters and get out early enough so that the scene lands, but leaves us wanting more. So start closer to the moment where some kind of incident changes your character's status quo or throws him or her off balance and then get out early. Get in late, get out early. I don't know where... I heard this advice, but it's a good thing to play with when you're having trouble framing your scenes, when you're not sure where to start and end the scene. Cut the first paragraph and cut the last paragraph. Somewhere between those is the perfect beginning and ending of your scene. Now, often I'll have writers cut off the last few lines of their scenes because they've already landed the scene a few lines earlier. Or I'll pick a line that comes in the middle of the scene and say, try starting the scene with this line. So 
Tip number three, get in late, get out early. Okay, on to tip number four. Know what each character enters the scene wanting. Your character comes into the scene wanting something. It's usually related to the thing he or she wants to get by the end of the story. Now, sometimes your character comes into the scene with a belief or an expectation, and then midway through the scene, something happens to blow it all up. What your character wants, expects, or believes is throttled. It's a crisis moment. The other character comes into the scene wanting something else that's in direct conflict to your protagonist's desire. When everybody wants the same thing, there's no tension. There's no conflict. And the reader wants conflict. So at the end of the scene, it's either going to be a win or a loss for your main point of view character. The balance of power should shift. Now, the conflict doesn't have to be epic. It can be, but it doesn't have to be in order to be dramatic. You just want to make sure desires are at odds in some way. They may even want the same thing, but have wildly different ways of achieving it. Conflict. Now, there's this great scene in the movie Kramer vs. Kramer, and it takes place in a restaurant in the middle of the day. Now, Joanna has been away for 18 months at this point, and she's moved to California and just come back to New York. And she asks to meet Ted in a restaurant. Now, he goes believing she wants to get back together. That's what he wants. It's what he expects she's going to ask. So that's what he expects going into the scene, that she's here to tell him she wants to come back home. His hope is that his life will go back to the way it was, because let's face it, Single parenting is hard, especially when you have a demanding career. And then midway through this scene, his wife reveals to him that she's been in New York for the past couple of months watching her son from the coffee shop as he comes in and out of school, and she tells him she misses their son. Now, he's surprised to learn she's been in New York for a few months, but he still thinks there's some reconciliation about to happen. Then midway through the scene, she tells him that she wants custody. This is the crisis point of the scene. And he tells her, you can't have him, and storms out. So you should know what each character comes into the scene wanting. Not just your point of view character, but what the other character or characters also want. And that should be in conflict. That doesn't mean it's contentious like the restaurant scene in Kramer versus Kramer, just that there's some clash in the way the characters solve a problem, or maybe one is withholding what the other wants. The wants are in direct conflict, or the methods of getting the same thing are at odds. So you want to establish the object of desire for each character. In the restaurant scene from Kramer versus Kramer, it's their son. So what does each character come into the scene wanting? Midway through the scene, the other character or characters will reveal or do something that disrupts your main character's new status quo. It throws him out of equilibrium. 
it complicates the main story problem. So tip number four, know what each character wants, expects, and believes coming into the scene. Okay, final tip. Tip number five, there should be an emotional shift. Sometimes, even though there's new information dropped in a scene or there's an external change, the character is in pretty much the same emotional place at the end as she was at the beginning. So there's movement on the plot level. Something happens that advances the plot or there's new information dropped, but there's still this equanimity within your main character. So things you want to ask when tracking the internal change is not just what happens in the scene, but why it matters to your character. In Kramer versus Kramer, remember, he comes into the scene thinking his wife wants to come back home. She tells him how much she misses her son and that she's been going to therapy, but his wife's bombshell that she wants custody threatens to dismantle everything he's built with his son over the past 18 months. So there's a lot at stake here. He starts out cordial and complimentary towards her, even a little nervous. They order white wine, and I think at some point he even touches her face or her hair. When she tells him she wants custody, he moves from being cordial to being in disbelief. He even puts her down and tells her, no way, you abandoned our son. And then he moves to full out rage. And he tells her she can't have him. And he throws his full glass of wine at the wall, shattering it. So why does what happens matter to your main protagonist? What's the realization he makes? Ted Kramer realizes that his wife is not coming back and that he might lose his son. You always want to be building emotion scene by scene. Don't name the emotion. We don't want to be told that the character is angry or surprised. Show how they respond. Each scene should track a gradual change, internal change, not just external change. So your character is in one emotional place at the beginning of the scene and in a different emotional place at the end of the scene. Okay, let's recap. We talked about five tips for framing scenes so that the reader can follow the story and be eager to keep reading. Number one, set your characters in a particular place at a particular time. Use time markers to denote a new scene later that afternoon, that Tuesday. You want to guide the reader seamlessly through time and space. Number two, build your scene around one significant moment, one story problem, not two, not three, one, and limit your characters to only those who have a stake in this moment of the story. Tip number three, get in late, get out early. Tip number four, know what each character enters the scene wanting. And tip number five, make sure there's an emotional shift by the end of the scene. 
So there you have it. Thanks for hanging out with me today. And if you know any writers who need some support in their writing, please share this episode or the Writer Unleashed podcast in general. And if you love what you're listening to, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and please leave me a review. Reading how this podcast impacts your writing truly lights me up and helps me create topics for the show. Till next time, keep writing and I'll talk to you soon. 